And thank you, Eli, for that powerful song, powerful words, and uh, also uh, a definite sense that um, you know what you're singing. You know who you're singing about. Praise the Lord. I want to talk to you today about uh, the everlasting love that God has toward us. That's what we're going to look at today. This is the Christmas season, and Christmas is come and go. Um, and uh, we celebrate, we kind of gear it up, we kind of wind it up as, as Christmas comes in. But God never changes. <laughs> God's everlasting love is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And let's just bow our heads in, in a word of prayer and we'll take a look at what God has to say to us today in regards to um, His everlasting love toward us. Father, would you just bless and anoint the word that we bring? Thank you for the songs this morning. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for the sharing of Advent. The theme this morning we've chosen is love. And uh, we just look to you right now, Lord, to come and speak to us. We've already heard testimony from Riley, uh, how he's felt so loved here and how much we've loved him. And uh, Father, I pray that that same love is for each other. And But it's only because of you. It's only because of what you poured into us that we can pour it out to others, that we can serve others the way you served us. So, Father, come now, Holy Spirit, and speak to us, teach us, encourage us, empower us, and may we go from this place walking a little lighter, sensing a little quietness and more quietness in our own spirit, Lord, and, uh, Father, being overwhelmed and overcome by that everlasting love and being drawn because of your loving kindness toward us. So, Father, we j- I just give this to you. This is, this is your time here to, to draw us in and minister to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the text that um, I chose, uh, looking at this, is Jeremiah 31.3. If you want to look there, we're going to use other verses, of course, but the, the, with the key, the idea that um, our God has an everlasting love toward us. It never changes. It doesn't. In Jeremiah 31.3, using the New King James Version, it says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. It's His loving kindness. Unless the Father draws us, none of us can be saved. We know at this time that... Uh, John 3.16, which is, which is a verse that we, we, all, we, sh- we should know. And uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That was his commitment when man fell was to come and save us. And he came and he saved us. And now he's returned to heaven and he speaks to us from heaven. And one day, as, as Eli said, he's coming back. And we, we ought to be ready for him. I, I, have, I have always uh, been intrigued by 1 John 3.16. When he says there in, in, in that passage, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And he lays down his life for us every time we sin. He did it once. He's done it for us, and he wants us to really understand that it's an everlasting love. It doesn't change from yesterday to today. 
if you want to turn with me to, to that, that uh, passage of Scripture in 1 John, and I want you to turn past the 1 John 3.16 and go to 1 John cha uh, chapter 4, and let me read verse 9 and 10. And this is what it says, 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. God sent His Son, and, and Jesus was willing to come and die for us, live for us. He gave His life for us so that we can have life, so we can experience this love of Christ that's everlasting, His loving kindness that continues to draw us. He wants us to be aware of it, to know it, to understand it. And to understand, just as it says in Romans chapter 8, in the verses in, in, in there through uh, 31 and 37 through 39, that nothing can separate us from this love. And we need to understand this. Do you remember us praying uh, last week and last year at this time, the year before at this time, against a spirit of suicide at this season, this time? When we start moving into Christmas, there is a, a rise in suicide over Christmas. And we, last we on Wednesday night, that was one of the things that, that uh, we prayed specifically for, against a spirit of suicide. And then I read on Facebook, one of my Facebook friends locally here, Katrina, some of you know her, Lori's neighbor, her sister, 39 years old, a beautiful, beautiful lady, commits suicide. 39 years old. Jesus loves us with an everlasting love. And He wants to pour His love into us. And then He wants us to share that love with others. And especially at this Christmas time. And pray for our friends and our neighbors. And, and if we see somebody distraught, don't. Don't turn your back. Ask them, how are you doing? You're doing okay. I mentioned last week about the young family, um, one of the pastors um, south of us. The mother laid their 11-week-old girl down in the bed and went back an hour later and the little girl was dead. They rushed her to the hospital. She was trying to do CPR on a child, rushed her to the hospital and uh, didn't make it. And on um, uh, Friday night, I went to uh, watch a basketball game in which the, uh, the one of the, the minister that did the service, uh, Tim, Pastor Tim, he is assistant coach at the school on South Prairie, south of town. And uh, we visited afterwards in the service for the little girl was the on Thursday. How do you get over something like that? How do you, how do you live with, without guilt? The mom now wondering if I did I lay it down right? Did I should I have checked on her sooner? All those all those thoughts. And now it's not the time for for 
someone like myself or anybody just to go along and sort of throw out verses. It's a time, like we said last week, to hug and love and stand with. But we don't know, we don't know what's going to happen to us tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen to our, one of our family members or our friends tomorrow. But we do know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he has an ever lo- everlasting love for us that he wants us to continue, continue to be soaked in and drawn in. And that's through our worship, through listening to special music, to sharing in the Advent, to coming together to pray. All those things build us up and encourage us in the everlasting love of the Father. Nothing can separate us from his love, he says. In 1 Corinthians 13, I love the verse, after he's talked about all the, all the aspects of love, he tells us that his love never fails. God's love never fails. It will never fail us. He will always be there, everlasting. Everlasting. Before he talks about his love never failing, it says he bears all things. I, I'd like to add on to that, that he always gonna, is going to bear all things. It's everlasting that he'll bear all things. He always, always believes, always hopes, always endures. That's what his love does because it's everlasting. And it's through that everlasting love that he draws us to himself. Do you know that? Do you feel that? Do you, do you understand that? that? That he loves you with an everlasting love? That the a time in my life that goes through my head and I, and I said, Lord, I don't want to share that. I don't want to share what you're showing me because I am really embarrassed about my behavior as a young, young boy, young teenager. And I felt like the Lord said, you should share it because Christ died for it. Christ, Christ has forgiven you. Christ, Christ's everlasting love knew, knew before what you did. He knew it. And even after you did this, he, he, he's loved you. I've loved you, Nigel, and I still love you today. And my forgiveness is everlasting. So I thought, well, okay, now you're going to go, okay, well, okay we want to hear this then. It's, n- it's not pretty. Um, we had a dog. Now, I don't know about you, but at the, the, f- at the funeral of uh, George H. W. Bush, this week, Sully, like they said, the dog Sully got more press than the president, they said, at the funeral service. And that picture of the Sully um, lay laying down in front of the casket was a very emotional picture. It was a very powerful picture, the love of the dog. And, and it was a service dog. He didn't have a service dog very long, but you, you could just sense the just tremendous love. And we had a dog, and we, our dog's name was Bruce, a black Labrador, beautiful black Labrador. And uh, th- uh, my, my th- uh, Bruce loved my brother John, but I didn't feel like he loved me. I don't know if you've ever had an animal, but the animal seems to go to the other person, doesn't come to you. You know, and you think, well, why don't you come to me? You know, I mean, I'm who, you know, don't you love me? And I, as a teenager, was a very angry boy. Now, I've shared that with you before. A very ya- angry young man. I was uh, angry at God for the, the way I was born with the cleft lip and palate. And you've heard all this stuff, and I don't want to belabor you with that. But what breaks my heart is, is that I was trying to get Bruce to love me. 
and I was trying to beat it into him to love me. And I beat that dog. I, 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 I would hit that dog to try to make the dog love me and be with me. Well, the dog, it, it ended up, he ended up getting so sick, he got what we, what's called, I don't know what you call it here, but distemper, like a nervous, and we, we had to put, my dad had to put him down. And I didn't admit that, that I had beat that dog to that point of being so sick that we had to put him down. But it was, I think, I know it was because of me. And later in life, when our daughter Catherine was 13 years old, I was coaching a young boy, and, and the parents wanted to pay me. And, and uh, so in form of payment, they gave me a, a little black puppy, a Labrador. We named him Bruce. Because I wanted to name him Bruce. I wanted a second chance at loving a dog. The dog couldn't stop me from my first Bruce. So we got Bruce on my ca daughter Catherine's 13th birthday and put a red bow around his neck. And pulled him, he grew up, he was born on a farm and smelt like a farm, had that puppy breath, had a very loud bark, and we had Bruce for 14 years. And... Um, I've asked the Lord to forgive me for that, and I know he has. But still that com th comes up. It comes up in my mind, and it came up when I was looking at this, that how loving God is that he's, he has an everlasting love for us, and it's his loving kindness that draws us, despite our sin and, f and our fallen nature, despite what we've done. He died on that cross. Every, every stripe that he took was for us for, to say that I will take what you deserve, I'm going to take it for you. My love never fails. Nothing can separate you, Nigel, from my love. I am going to bear all things. I'm going to hope all things and believe all things, and I'm going to endure all things, and I'm going to do it for you. Well, that's a good thing, isn't it? And so as I was praying about this, and, and, and now I've shared what I've shared, and I still am embarrassed about it, and, uh, but I've given it to God, and I know God has forgiven me. And another thing that God does, His everlasting love does, is it, it begins to do something in your heart. And that thing that He does in your heart, He begins to quiet your heart. He begins to take those things that were such turmoil and, and, and so, so noisy in your head and in your heart because of the things you have done. And he begins to bathe you in his love, bathe you in his forgiveness. And that bathing begins to quiet your soul, quiet your spirit. And there's another scripture that I want to just <coughs> have you turn to. It's in the Old Testament. We always have fun trying to find these things in the Old Testament. But it's uh, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, right before Haggai, the book of Haggai, right near the back of your Old Testament. And this is a verse that encourages us that when the everlasting love of the Father is everlastingly quieting your spirit, Zephaniah 3, verse 17. And I love there's not a lot more in here than just quieting your spirit. It really 
pronounces who God is and the power that he has to bring into your life. And this is, again, a New King James Version. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a wonderful promise? He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will quiet you with his love. That anxiety that you have, that anxiousness that you have, that worry you have, that trouble you have. He, he will come with that everlasting love, that everlasting loving kindness and draw you into himself and begin to bathe you with forgiveness. He will dance over you. That second joy is, is a dancing. It's a dancing over you with such joy to say, I, have, I am a mighty warrior amongst you, and I have done great things for you. I have saved you, and I'm going to quiet you. It says he will rejoice over you with singing. And he's, this was prophetic. He has done it now. So he sings over us. He rejoices over us with singing. When, that's why when worship music, that's why special music is so powerful to your soul because it's, it's like God is singing over us those words, the music, the instruments, the voice, the passion, the love begins to wash over us. Another, another uh, uh, New American Standard Bible, I know Kelvin has this, it says, the Lord your God is in your midst. The same, this is the same verse out of Zephaniah. And then he says this, and I just love it. A victorious warrior. That's who God is. He's a victorious warrior. He will exalt over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. See, the New King James says he'll quiet you with his love. But then the New American Standard says... He will be quiet in his love. I, I, I look at that and I think to myself, how does that mean, God? And I felt like, see, like God is saying that I don't make a big show out of this. It's, it's uh, again, um, I, unless you missed it this week, the funeral of George Bush, George Herbert Walker Bush, and when the minister was sharing the experience of James Baker right in the final hours or minutes of George Bush's life, James Baker, who was a wonderful friend, they were friends, they were co-workers. James Baker was a leader in his own right in this nation. Went to the foot of the bed of George Bush and held his feet and massaged his feet. This is... This is, this is celebrating the life of one of our world's leaders, the President of the United States. And James Baker, a world leader in his own right, was massaging his feet before he died. Because he, and you saw his speech. They loved each other. James Baker loved George Bush. And the minister used the example of how uh, Jesus has shown us the better way, the greater way. Right before his cru the night before his crucifixion, where he got up and he put a towel around his waist. 
And he, without words, washed his disciples' feet. You see, this is, I think, when you see Zephaniah, where he says that he will, he will be quiet in his love. No words. No words. But getting on his knees and washing their feet. Have you ever had your feet washed in a service? It's powerful. It's a powerful thing when someone washes your feet. I've had people tell me, you're not washing my feet yet. <laughs> my feet are all gnarly and gnarly. I don't even want to show them anybody. But that's what Jesus did. And, 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 and if you've been in that kind of a service, it just quiets your soul. It, it washes over you. A love that you can't explain, but you're sensing and feeling. And that's where this rejoicing over you with love. <clears throat> there is another in First John, going back to First John, because I believe this is an ever-calming love. Not only is it an everlasting love, it's an ever-calming love. And in First John 4.18, where he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And we love him because he first loved us. And see, when I, me for a, as a young boy, as a young teenager, there was torment in my soul, torment in my mind by just how angry, an angry boy that I felt. But when Jesus got a hold of me, he began to, with his quiet love, quiet me talk to my soul, minister to my soul, change my soul, give me a new heart, a new mind, pour into me that I love you with an everlasting love. I died for you. And you need not fear me because there's no fear in love. The New Living Translation says this about that passage. With his love, he will calm all your fears. Isn't it this time of year? I mentioned earlier the, the suicide problem that comes up at Christmas time. People need to know that Jesus has died for them, that he gave his life for them, that, 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 that he's the one that can, with an everlasting love, with ever-loving kindness, can draw them to him and then quiet them. The torment that they have, he can wash over that because he's a victorious warrior. Because he will endure all things and you can hope all things in love. He believes everything. He believes all things. So how does this all work? It's, it, it's, it's like we have to set ourselves before him. Put ourselves before him. Go to him. Admit. Confess. Talk to him. Confession is good. God, this, that's true about me. When that came up in my mind this week, I don't want to talk about that God. Confess it. It's a confession. Confess it. I have died for that. So how, do, how does it? Well, it comes to a place of, yes, going before him. Yes, experiencing that foot washing from him. The, the, the better way. And Psalm 46.10, I mean, we have a plaque at our house uh, a friend made, and we've got it right underneath the picture of the man praying. You probably got that same picture maybe in your own house Psalm 46 10 that says to be still and know 
that I am God. And many of you know that that means to cease striving. That torment that you have, that spirit that you have, that fear that you have, that, that, that ugliness that you have, that you, you, you haven't recognized that God's everlasting love has forgiven you of that, and you're still tormented by that, that He can come and calm you. And so just to sit before Him and recognize what He's done for you, I read a commentary on that passage and it says this, that it's almost like a, a, a command to you. Put your hands down and leave the matter to God. Stop fighting about it. Stop being fearful about it. Just put your hands down. Cease striving. Be still and be bathed in this everlasting love. He'll come and change you. That's what he does. That's what he did for me. And when the enemy comes in and tries to say, you know, break, take me back to those days and remind me of them again, I have to say, no, he's, he's, done, he's dealt with it. My God is a God of everlasting love. My God is a God of everlasting loving kindness. My God is a God with everlasting love that he's loving me and quieting my soul. And that everlasting love, not only will it quiet my soul because it'll dance over me in love, that everlasting love is going to turn out to be a controlling kind of love. That love will control my spirit, control my thoughts, control my mind in a good way, not like a robot, but in a good way because he will write his laws on my mind and write them on my heart, and he will move me to follow his decrees, move me to sit still before him, move me to cease striving, move me to calm down, move me to put myself in a place where I can be loved and washed over with love. In 2 Corinthians 5.14, Paul was writing there, he says, for the love of Christ controls us. He says it in his word. It's the love of Christ that was controlling him. The King James says it constraineth them. In other words, his, his love is everlasting. His love is very quieting in your soul. And then his love will constrain you and control you. Second Timothy says this in 2 Timothy 1.7. That God hasn't given us a spirit of timidity, a little timid spirit to be frightened to live life. But he's given us a spirit of power, and he's given us a spirit of love, and he's given us a sound mind. That's what he does. So those things that, that play around in your head, those things that you're consumed by sometimes in the dark places, throw your arms up and sit still and be bathed in his love. Picture him dancing over you with joy because of what he's done, because he's a great warrior. He's a mighty warrior, a victorious warrior. When Jehoshaphat, in the Old Testament, when he, he had a great vast army coming against him, you've probably studied that passage. And when they fasted and they prayed and they basically threw their arms up and said, we can't fight this army, we're... We're afraid. And they said, God, it has to be you. It's never going to happen unless you do something. 
And then he tells them a prophetic word. And I'm going to quote the, new, the old King James in Second Chronicles 20:17: "Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. This isn't the battle that you'll need to fight, because the fighting has already been done. And then it says, "Set yourselves." Now think about that. Just set yourselves. Stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord with you. Now, when was the last time when you were troubled in your mind that you just went before God and said, I don't need to fight this battle, devil. I'm going to set myself and I am going to stand still and I am going to see the salvation of God. That's what he has for you. Yes, he does. An everlasting love. A love that's powerful. A love that will give you self-discipline. A love that will give you a sound mind. And it's everlasting. And it's a loving kindness that will continue to draw him, you to him. Hymn number 81 there's probably a hymnal right in front of your seat there. If you want to grab it and turn to hymn number 181, I want to read those words of that hymn to you. That was what was going through my head, and there's various versions, and if you go, if you go on YouTube, you can pick up some good versions of, of um, O Love That Wilt Not Let Me Go. And of course, what does the verse have under there in our hymnal? It says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. I thought, oh, Lord, you were putting that in my head and in my heart, and there it is. O love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. When you... Rest in Him. When you go to Him, your weary soul, God will fill your soul up and then you can, it'll be fuller, it'll be greater, it'll be richer, and then you can pour it out. O light that followest all my way, I yield my flickering torch to Thee. My heart restores its borrowed ray that in Thy sunshine's blaze its day may brighter, fairer be. O joy, that seekest me through pain. I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promise is not vain that morn shall tearless be. O cross that liftest up my head, I dare not ask to fly from thee. I lay in dust life's glory dead and from the ground there blossoms red life that shall endless be. Amen. O oh, love, that wilt not let me go. He will not let you go. His love will not fail you. He loves us with an everlasting love. There is no fear in love. He calms your soul, and it's done in an everlasting way. Would you 
Whatever your situation is, just throw your arms up to God. Sit before him and say, oh, Lord, wash over me that truth. Refresh me today as we come to this Christmas time. This theme of love, an everlasting, never-failing love, an everlasting, quieting, calming love, an everlasting, controlling love. And with all that loving kindness, he draws us. Will you, will you stop resisting him and give yourself to him? And he will do what he's done all the years that he's done it since he went to that cross and rose again. He will come and give you that assurance, that calmness, that control. And you will set yourselves before him, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Put your hands down and leave the matter to God. And when he calms you on the inside, he will cause you to be still. He'll cause you to cease striving. And when you are calm and still, it's going to bring a quietness to your soul. And who doesn't want that around the Christmas, Christmas tree this year, around the fireplace? The quietness that only he can bring. He died for you so you could have that. He loves you with an everlasting love. Father, in the name of Jesus, well, we looked at your word and we've, I'm trusting that your Holy Spirit is taking this word today and enriched it and caused us to really, really just set ourselves before you and be taught the greater way so that we can live the greater way so we can be calm, so we can experience the everlasting love of God. In Jesus' name, amen.